Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Literacy Advocate. I'm your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guests today are Brianna Hodges and Lainey Roll. They are the hosts of Lemonade Learning, and they are educational education consultants with a history of classroom teaching and district administration. Folks, welcome to the show. I'm excited to to talk to you again. So I've been on their podcast and we had an excellent conversation, me and Shalanda. Um, You guys were so wonderful uh, to talk to. I honestly can't even remember what we talked about, Um, but I do remember. I'm sorry. You don't remember the Billy Shakes conversation? I don't want to start it again, but there was like, I mean, people should listen to that episode just for the... uh, the intensity of that conversation. We all ended. Yeah, we could just we Bye. could just have part two of that debate here. No, on this no, no, podcast. no, no, no. We're good. We're good. <laughs> um. So, but uh, kind of tied to that, the main topic uh, that we're going to talk about on this podcast episode is the idea of teaching kids critical thinking skills. Um. And you both believe that this is not done enough in education. Um. And I don't want to put too many words in your mouth. So let me just take turns, each of you. What is your opinion overall when it comes to teaching kids critical thinking skills in school? You want me to start? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So um, there's, there's a lot to it. I would say right now, I am kind of honed in on what does it mean to be thinking critically as we are using all of this wonderful technology to learn. And I do love technology and I think it's really powerful and it can empower our kids. But I also think that we have to be really on top of teaching critical thinking for the web. I think that we really have to be thoughtful, intentional, and making sure that we are not just putting our kids in front of a screen and to Google things. We have to talk to them about, you know, how do they form the best question? You know, what is it, what does a good query look like? And so I really want questioning to me is a really big deal. And I think that that's a great way to empower and to teach kids how to ask better questions. Um, Because for me, critical thinking, a big part of the need for it is the internet, and I got this from my mentor, Alan November, the internet will give you any version of the truth that you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And so I am really honed in on that with my own personal kids. And it's something I like to talk to educators about as well. What do you think, Bree? Absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that I've been reading a lot about and thinking a lot about is, you know, we, we say, we say these kids these days and their attention spans and all these different elements and I've been reading a lot about how it's not necessarily that our attention span is lessening. It is more that we are provided with more choice than we've ever had in our entire, you know, history of of humanity. And um, and with choice comes having to be able to discern, um, you know, what you believe, your values, your, um, you know, what what do you determine to be fact? What do you determine to be moral, you know, all these different elements. And, um, and, and I think that as we, you know, kind of have transgressed through education, right? Like as we've kind of moved in all of these elements, then we now have to start to, you know, our, our choices are more and more and more and more. And so what we had back in the day, um, was, you know, we might not have really focused as much as, um, you know, as what you're talking about, Lainey, with the, the questioning and the, you know, truly getting to the intent and to the purpose 
it was, you know, a lot more surface level of, is it right or is it wrong? You know, mm-hmm. and, um, and I think that now we really have to put in that extra layer of, of critical thought in order to make sure that we can discern this multitude of very, very similar choices, um, especially when we start talking about like deep faith and, um, you know, reality and um, yeah. artificial Let me just interrupt you for a second, Brianna. <laughs> what do you mean? What do you mean when you say um, uh, this very, uh, oh man, I forgot what you said. You used a term and I wanted to ask you what it meant. <laughs> was, was it deep fake? It wasn't deep fake, was no, it? No, I know. I know what a deep fake <laughs> is. But I think you said something like kids have to navigate through all of the different choices, but I wasn't sure exactly what you meant. Yeah. So, I mean, I think just even understanding, you know, like we, we, you know, I've said this a a lot whenever we talk about like, you know, real news, fake news, all of this kind of stuff. Right. So um, to age myself, I, I remember very clearly when you went to the grocery store, you automatically knew what was a tabloid and what wasn't right. Like oh, you yes. knew based upon what it looked like, you knew the very poorly photoshopped, you know, scotch taped together. It was really, really clear that the alien abduction of, you know, this person <laughs> and the impregnation that was not going to necessarily be as accurate as, um, you know, the, the, um, better homes and gardens, you know, magazine that was right next to it. And, um, you know, we don't have that kind of, 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 of polarity these days when it comes to news. Um, we have these deep fakes, we have very similar, um, you know, gradations of, of perspective that, that take these, uh, you know, that, that take the truth that take, um, the, the accounts that take, you know, the, the, um, the interviews or whatever it may be. And they look at it in such a teeny tiny different version of what the other one is that it becomes really difficult to, you know, undo and, and, you know, really kind yeah. of unweave the, um, the, the, the rubber band ball, if you will, to like, figure out where it really truly starts and what the center of it is. Especially yeah. since, oh, I, I didn't mean to cut you off, Lainey. Um, uh, well, I'm curious what you what you think about this. But my thought was, especially since every news source that you go to is editorialized. Like there's editorialization happening over top of every story. For From my experience on every platform that I go to look for information. So, so can I ask you, is this actually a new problem or a more visible problem? Because I was reading, I'm reading Adam Grant's Think Again, which I highly recommend. And he's talking about, oh gosh, I hope this is where I got the example, but he's talking about this teacher who has retained textbooks from like the 1940s. And she gives it to kids without any prep, any knowledge that this is like, they don't, they're not looking at the front to see what the copyright date is. She just gives the kids the textbook and some of the kids are questioning it because even our retelling of history evolves. We don't say things the same way we do in 2021 as we did back in the 1940s. But some kids just consume it and just like accept it as that is the word because of the format that it's a textbook. So, yeah. And I don't just want to say that the kids are doing it. I think teachers do it as well. Oh, I agree. I think, I think 
all people do it. I think if we get back and, you know, like I'll be a nerd about like psychology and implicit bias and desirability bias and all the biases that go into yeah. confirmation bias. And it's like, yep. we want to find the version of the truth that most aligns with our beliefs. Absolutely. Sometimes I think we just accept things that are given to us without questioning it. And for me, that's why I think critical thinking is so important. Who is yeah. telling this story? Who's sharing this message? Why? What are they trying to convince you of? Because yes. I want every, and I don't want to like, I don't want our kids to be in this like paranoia state or, you know, like, but I want them to have a healthy skepticism where yeah. they question things. And I think yeah. it's important, you know, one of the, I, I've, I've said that I, I recognized in my age that um, not everyone was raised the way that I was. I was definitely raised in a household to um, support your thinking, right? So we yeah. were asked. In the pre-interview, you, you said I was raised to argue. I was, and it was, <laughs> you know, it was one of those where, it, it, and not like, but in the true sense of what argumentation is, right? Of like, here's the reason why I want to do this. I, it wasn't like a defiance or, or anything like that. I think that the vast majority of at least Americans hear the word argue and they immediately think, um, you know, controversy and, and one side versus the other side. And you, you think about fights and you think about, you know, there's, there's truth and there's, you know, false and, and all of these different pieces. And, and I think that that's a huge hurdle to, critical thinking because we're not accustomed as a, as a, as a whole um, of society to really support our thinking, right? Like we don't ask no. why enough. We tend to say, what do you want me to do? And then people mm -hmm. tell us, and yep. then if we don't do what we're supposed to be doing, then somebody says, well, why didn't you do it this way? It's never a, why should I do this? Okay, well then why should I do, you know, like when you start to ask why like five or seven times is when you finally get like after the fifth reiteration of like, and why is that? And why is that? Then you finally get to the crux of what's going on. Um, but I think that we, we've stopped doing that at some point in time along the way, because we, we feel like it's either disrespectful to the person um, or we feel like it's antagonistic or, or things like that. And, and I, I think that's really, uh, it does us a disservice for looking at, um, at things critically. And again, I'm not supporting, you know, disrespect. I'm not supporting saying like defiance and like, well, I'm going to do what I want and, you know, all this kind of anarchy. I'm just saying that we need to better untangle an idea so that we can better understand it. Yes. And I don't see this modeled very well, very often. And I don't know what your experience is, but among adults, I see a lot of tribalism and tri and tribalistic thinking, uh, not good, respectful, critical thinking. Yeah. Um, and I, I might just be seeing too much of the negative and not seeing enough of the positive uh, that it's coloring my view. Um, and so I, I should be critical of my own perspective here. Uh, but that's been what I feel like I've witnessed so much of. Well, and that's so important what you just said there that might be coloring my view, because in my opinion, all of our views are colored. And we could get into the whole filter bubble and how algorithms are sending us the stuff that it thinks that we want and all that stuff. But I do think we have to build a culture and a climate where it is okay to have discourse in a way that is not meant to be a personal attack, not to cancel someone, but to just have a conversation. And I'll probably mention his name more than even just now. Again, Adam Grant says um, that he was taught, can we dance? Like, not can we have an argument, uh, 
you know, it's, can we dance? Like, can we like debate this? Let's talk about this. And I think that when you frame it like that, I think people feel less personally attacked, but I think that we have to be modeling that and practicing that so that people are comfortable having these challenging conversations. And so, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable for me a lot of times because I'm someone who I really do not like when people aren't getting along like that. Mm. How did you feel when Brianna and I went toe to toe over Shakespeare? I was in pain. There was, <laughs> which is so funny because like it did not like I didn't even see it as a just like a, as no, a as a debate or as any kind of controversy thing. I was like, Let, let's talk, let's dance, let's do this. Yeah. You know, like, I like, saw okay, your passion I and I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> now I will yeah. say that I was conscious that you two knew you were dancing, but I was still uncomfortable, and I was just like okay, I think they're okay, but are they okay? And so that's, but that's my issue. You two were having a very thoughtful debate and I, I loved it. In fact, it was better listening back to it. Cause, cause we're about to, you know, we'll, we'll get to release that soon, but nice. listening back to it was so beautiful because I wasn't in the moment of like, where is this going to go? Are we all going to be friends at the end of this? Like I didn't have to worry about yeah. that. We can use that, honestly, and a few other things to transition our conversation here to actually like, what are good skills for us to try to develop in kids? Because it takes a level of emotional maturity for me to have a, what in my opinion is a fun argument with Brianna over the value of Shakespeare. And I don't want to be, so here's, here's one just to throw it out there is I don't want to be an ideologue. I don't want to be somebody that adopted a worldview from someone else. And didn't really try and it isn't constantly in the process of trying it within myself uh, for, you know, for its uh, value. Um, So in my argument with Brianna, I was like, here's where I'm coming from on this. Here's my perspective. Here's what I think. Here's here are my values. Um, And this is why under these set of values, it leads me to think this way about Shakespeare. Um, What do you have to say about that? Uh, and then she's going to say a bunch of stuff and I'm mostly going to ask questions because so just here's a few things. One, I don't want to be an ideologue Two, I want to drive the conversation toward values more than just fighting over the, the actual problem at hand, because if we can find common ground on our values, we can have a much more productive conversation about the issue that we're talking about. So not be an ideologue, move the conversation toward values. And then this is the big one. And I only learned this not too long ago is steel man, the other person's perspective. I want to talk to you in such a way where I'm pulling out of you the best representation of what you're saying. I have no desire to have a big gotcha moment um, in a conversation where we are two people with um, a lot of common ground in values, arguing over the merit of something. I want to, I want to understand and be able to repeat back to you the best representation of your opinion. And that's called steel manning the other side. And so often what we instead do is straw man the other side. We want an opponent that's easy to defeat. We don't want an opponent that's hard to defeat. And I would say you don't want an opponent, <laughs> but anyway, uh, those are my three things that I would want to teach kids. What about what jumps to mind for you guys? Oh, and you can comment on what I said. Well, also what I, I do want to comment on what you said, if you don't mind, Brie, because what I heard you talking about are two of the things that are the most essential in getting our kids to be critical thinkers. And that is awareness and empathy. 
So you are aware of your bias, you know, kind of where you're coming from, but you're actually trying to step out of that. And with empathy, think about what is the other person's perspective. Yeah. And the awareness that you're going into, like you're super meta, you're like, oh man, I know this is where I think, but like, I don't want to be stuck in where I think. Um, So you're aware of your bias and what you maybe, and maybe bias isn't exactly the right word right there, but you know, you know, your perspective. And, but you're also able to step out of that and with empathy, think about, well, what is the other person? What is their best argument? Um, I think if we were all more aware of our bias and we're more empathetic, we would have a lot fewer issues. So. Yeah, I agree. Brianna, what about for you? Uh, Comments on what I said or specific skills that you really want to uh, encourage kids or model? Well, I, I think, you know, I, I've been kind of processing all of this and, and since our conversation um, about, about Billy, um, we, you know, we've since also had, um, you know, Dr. Seuss's estate coming out and, and um, you know, pulling six uh, books from, um, from, from their catalog. And, uh, and I've had a lot of conversations around cancel culture and what does this look like? It, it was interesting because I'm, I'm on several you know, think tanks and, and whatnot. And, um, there was, a, there was a thread over, um, uh, over Shakespeare and the, uh, you know, should we even be teaching this in class classes anymore? Aren't there others, uh, you know, other perspectives, all of this stuff, should we update the literary canon? Should we, you know, only look at modern literature, uh, you know, all these different conversations. And, and it got me thinking around, um, you know, what does this mean? And I think that, that both of you so beautifully captured that it's not a, there's no one right answer, right? Like there's no, okay, Shakespeare is the one and only, or no, he's not. Like it's, it's, it, there's the, the polarity, the extremisms of, of answers that we have, you know, are not where really we need to be focusing. Like if we really want to talk about critical thinking, we need to implore the, the perspective of the other person, right? Just like you were saying, like, okay, let me help, help me understand. So it, it, it's almost, you know, the first skill that I, I think we really need to work on. And we, you know, from the educator perspective, we talk a lot about wait time when it comes to questioning. I think we need to work on wait time with our students and, and that respectful discourse as well, right? Like whenever there's a question, wait it out, let the other person speak and share their perspective, reserve judgment. Don't be like, oh, you're so wrong because, right? Like instead, listen to what it is that they're saying so that then you can respond to your perspective of what they're sharing, right? Like it's not a a judgment of, of um, truth or of, you know, accuracy. Instead, it is an opportunity to become aware of the other's perspective. And that, that is, that's empathy. And we can't, we can't get there without it. Um, that said, I, I think, you know, we also have to deal with this notion of cancel culture and, and, you know, does, do we completely obliterate all things associated with this person? Because we now have a new, uh, you know, we have a, a, an awareness that we didn't necessarily have before. You know, I, 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 I spent a lot of time with, with my, um, with my peer group talking through Dr. Seuss and, and all of this. And I was like, you know, please keep in mind, like no one is canceling Dr. Seuss. Like no one is saying like he doesn't exist and he, all, all of his things were awful. 
what they're saying is these six specific books were not done in proper taste for where we are now. And they, his estate is saying, we don't want this to represent and cloud all the rest that he's contributed. Right. And so just like, you know, like in our conversation about Shakespeare, like I'm not saying that, um, it's always taught the right way. Like, like, I'm not saying that, that, you know, everything should be hinged on this one play. I don't think that's representative of who he is. Like, I think it's more, if you take each offering and you look at the awareness and you look at the perspective of where it's coming, then you can better decide why should I teach it to support this value as opposed to, I'm just teaching it because he's Shakespeare and that's what I'm supposed to do, right? So I think it's, you know, I, I, I think that awareness um, comes in a lot of ways, it's something that we as adults have to understand um, before we can help our students understand it. And I, I don't think that we are, are really at a place where we can do that. We've, um, I, I, I've, you know, Lainey and I've talked about this a lot. Like we do not, we, we historic or we don't do a very good job of asking why um, in education. Uh, we, we ask what a lot more than we ask why, or we ask how a lot more than we ask why. And if we understand why, then we can better create, you know, the strategies for it or choose the resources for it or, you know, analyze the, um, the, the circumstances around it. But we can't ever do that if we don't ask why. And what do you think is the biggest reason button? for that? What I think you, it's because it, it feels like a personal, it's, it's such a personal thing. When you ask somebody, why do you think that way? They're like, how? you know, you feel like you're questioning like your heart, right? Like your, your <laughs> intention, like it's, it feels like such a moral or personal attack on who you are. Like, why would you think of me that way? Why would you think I would do something like that? You know, and instead what is much more factual, right? Like what is, it's like, it was here and now it's gone. Like we, it, it feels much more um, objective and, uh, you know, like a qualitative, um, or excuse me, quantitative, whereas why is so much more qualitative. Lainey, Lainey, do you, what do you find think? it hard to mm -hmm. ask people why to like to give a reason for what they believe? So I think in general, the things that I actually care the most about are the, actually some of the hardest things that I do as an educator. So I care about empowering kids. I want them to ask me the why, but actually it's also very hard for me to let go of control and give them the space to ask that why. And so I think we have to be really reflective as educators and I think that the topic that we're talking about, especially critical thinking when it comes to information literacy, news literacy, literacy, media literacy, I know for me, it's a big challenge that I don't have all the answers. And I feel like I know enough to know that I know not a lot. <laughs> so I, I, I do not feel, I feel like this is an area that I have pretty good humility in. Um, so I, I am happy for the questions of why, but I can also understand why it's very difficult for people, especially if they feel like they do, if they, if they have that, um, maybe an overconfidence. And, and this is like one of the reasons I get worried about this particular topic. If we're talking specifically about critical thinking on the web, I think we have an overconfidence as adults that we, it's just the kids who don't quite get it. Um, but we know, 
And that worries me because I think this overconfidence is pretty dangerous. And I think that it's something we have to be talking about and learning out loud about and with our kids. And so you asked earlier, like, what are some, some, some things that can happen? A lot of times educators do the research for what they're going to share with kids behind the scenes. And the kids never just see how they came across the article that they thought was important or anything like that. They just, they just present it as if it's, gospel and here it is but they don't they don't give that messy behind the scenes of like oh I wanted to find something on this but this didn't look accurate I felt like there was a lot of bias in this one and it's just it's just unfortunate because I think that we do need to be letting our kids ask why and I think we need to be more humble in front of them and showing how we're learning about this as we go because it's going to keep changing things are going to keep yeah. I love that. I, I love the, the, the narrative component of it, right? Like we've talked about that, like narrative parenting, narrative teaching, like being able to think out loud and process through why am I doing this and what does it look like? Right. And so, you know, I, in the classroom a lot, I use the crack test. So is it current? Is it relevant? Is it, you know, who's the authority um, that that's, you know, generally considered in this idea? What's the purpose behind this? What was that intent? You know, trying to really, um, you know, think through those pieces. Like you said, whenever we're trying to match up a, a, a piece of evidence or a resource or a text, those are the things that we often think through and, and you know, kind of equipping our, our students um, with that, you know, how do you figure out what's right or what's wrong or how can you, you know, how, how can you decide what your, where your compass is taking you in this way? Um, why did, you know, which one's better? Not that any of them are wrong, but which one's better in this situation? Um, you know, they've got to have some kind of, of compass for that. And that, that's always the one that um, it was easy for us to remember and it kind of, you know, let them, let them come into it. Now there's still, you know, area within each one of those pieces where you could still have a different take on it. And, and I think that that's also really important, you know, as educators, we do typically like for there to be a, a, a right answer. Like it's hard to get a hundred on the test if you don't have a right answer. Um, and, and it's hard when there's multiple right answers and, um, that's hard for parents to understand. That's hard for students to understand. That's hard for educators to understand because we all grew up in the concept of school with there's a right and there's a wrong. And, um, and it's hard to ask why and allow for there to be multiple whys and there not be a right and a wrong. And so, um, like there's so many, like it's such a nebulous situation in my mind. Um, and I can understand, I definitely empathize and understand why so many people become overwhelmed with it um, and why it's really hard for us to teach. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I'm going to go back to, I heard this all the time. And I certainly said this all the time during, uh, during um, the election is that it's not our job to teach them what to think. It's our job to teach them how to think, like, how do I take this apart? How do I come up with an answer? How can I support this? Um, so I, I think, again, that's where we can really do a better job is feeling confident. We're not trying to indoctrinate people into any type of situation. We're trying to, you know, provide them with a toolbox to, to analyze information so that then they can decide what's best for them. And I think, I think in that uh, required in that is the acceptance of the, like the almost seeing it as a good thing that in doing that, your students are going to come to different conclusions than the ones that you've come to. Because instead of teaching them what the right conclusions are, you taught them how, like what are really good ways to come to conclusions. 
And then I, I would say the next piece is holding your conclusions loosely. I was going to say, I think that that's also like, that's such a great, um, summary point to, to where we also are between education and, mm-hmm. um, you know, postgraduate or, or corporate, you know, envision of what critical thinking is, right? Like in education, we typically think of critical thinking as like minuscule information, about, you know, like being very detailed with all of the information that is, in, is, is included in this perspective. Whereas, you know, industry looks at critical thinking as multiple ways and strategies to come up with a conclusion that was not necessarily believed to be possible without this idea, right? Like it's that whole, like, how can we Apollo 13 this situation and, you know, create something out of it, you know, when this situation is not known, um, that's, that's the whole point of what you're trying to do when you're in industry is you're trying to come up with new and innovative, uh, you know, situations. And, and so I, I love that. I think that like, if we could come closer to helping and being okay with multiple versions of that in education, we're going to come closer to preparing our students for success in the way that industry is asking us to do that. Mm-hmm. Man, I feel like we have scratched the surface of what it means to teach critical thinking. And so if anybody's listening and they have thoughts that are, that are, you know, that they would love to share um, or, or something that you disagree with that you heard or just a different perspective, I want to hear it. So if you want to DM me on Twitter and ask me to come on the podcast, if you have, yeah, this is really getting to almost like science and philosophy when it comes to teaching critical thinking. You're, you're teaching scientific skills and philosophical skills. Um, and so I, I think there's so much more than what we've covered, but we are out of time. Lainey and Brianna, thank you so much for being on my podcast. How should listeners connect with you? Well, Brie, we've got the lemonadelearning.us, dot, you know, lemonadelearning.us for the podcast. And we are, can I tease about what we're about to launch? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we have had the podcast for coming up on a year, but we're actually launching a website to really kind of house, not just the, you know, not a way to get to the podcast only, although that will be there, but also how we can add some extra content um, to kind of like, well, we're just scratching the surface now. Like, how could we add more to the conversation? So super excited about that. And then we, you know, each have our own handles on social media. I'm at Lainey Rowell and Bree, I'll let you do yours. I am at B Hodges edu on every social media, I believe. So uh, come and find us. Um, and we would love to connect. If there's any of these conversations that you want to, you know, continue on into the Twitter space as well, let us know. Um, come at me. Like, let's have some conversations. Absolutely. Uh, we'll keep it. We'll keep it clean. We'll keep it. Uh, keep it honest. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that that's part of this this conversation or part of this situation is continuing those conversations um, beyond our, our allotted time. So thanks so much for having us here, Timmy. This has been awesome. Me, I, I agree. Thank you so much for being on.